Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. This week, Matt Hagens returns to the pod to provide an update on Cafe Overlook, which is the new concept, the new cafe that he opened with the service relief team. It's on the 16th floor of the Franklin County Courthouse building. Check out their Instagram. They have a good kind of tutorial, video tutorial of how you get to their location, you know, what entrance to go through and, and everything like that. It's uh, really well done and it'll definitely help you get up there and navigate kind of the building. And it's not that hard, but uh, definitely helps. But it's an interesting concept. You know, I think it used to be a taco place, like some sort of kind of taco pop-up shop thing before was kind of the previous business and and they overtook it. So we talk about just the opportunity, you know, why they decided to, to jump in, what they're aiming to get out of the opportunity to as well. And, and we spent a decent amount of time talking about just culinary education and workforce programs and where that could lead somebody in their career here in Columbus. And, and towards the end, we kind of get a little sidetracked just on the, the layout of Columbus and transportation and everything. But those issues do affect, you know, restaurants too as well, especially, you know, staffing challenges. So uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Kitchen Matt at kitchen underscore Matt, then also at Preston's Burgers, which is his main restaurant there. They were just recently named Best Burger for the year uh, last year and uh, at Honey's Fried Chicken and then also at Cafe Overlook at service underscore relief underscore kitchen. They do a lot of different kind of pop-up events and stuff like that with service relief fundraising. So they've done cocktail competitions. I think they're doing something with the Market Italian Village and the James Beard Foundation too as well for like a dinner I think that they're involved in too. So make sure to follow them there. You can also follow us on Instagram at Spoon Mob, Twitter and Facebook, Spoon Mob One. Check out the website, SpoonMob.com. Make sure to follow, subscribe to the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts from, whatever platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, iHeartRadio. We're on everything. You can also kind of stream it too as well through different websites. You know, if you're not using a podcast app or anything like that, you can also find us on YouTube, our YouTube channel, put all the episodes up there about a week uh, behind uh, the new release schedule. So all new episodes come out on Thursdays, and then we're doing this set of kind of updates with some previous guests. So those are usually dropping Monday, Tuesdays. Make sure you subscribe to the feed so you're not missing out on any new episodes that we release. Without any further delay, here is another conversation with Chef Matt Hagens of Preston's, a burger joint, Honey's Fried Chicken, Cafe Overlook, and Service Relief. Thanks again for coming back. Appreciate it. You know, wanted to have you and a handful of other people back on since you guys have either moved on to different restaurants or opened a new concept. Since you were last on this podcast, Preston's was named Best Burger in the City of Columbus again uh, by Columbus Underground, I think this time. Columbus Alive is no longer around. More importantly, though, you and the rest of the service relief team, you guys opened a new restaurant called Cafe Overlook which is on the 16th floor of the Franklin County Courthouse building downtown. How did that opportunity come about? That was actually through Sang. I think someone with the county asked to have dinner with her to kind of pitch the idea to her. And she said yes to dinner. And then we said yes to doing something dumb, taking on a sprawling uh, uh, project. So it's a workforce development program, first and foremost. Right now, I think we have about 20, 22 employees. Uh, a decent amount of them are either returning citizens or people trans some sort of transition in life uh, where, you know, some stability is useful. They don't all have a ton of restaurant experience. Uh, a lot of them are very, very talented cooks, you know, really, really, you know, like organized, good people. Everyone's trying really hard for the most part, doing a really good job. 
the main purpose, I think it kind of gets advertised as kind of like a training ground for people looking to, for future career in hospitality. Is that the case for most of the people working there? Or? I'd say most is the main drive of the program is workforce development. We want to give people a good, solid base of skills that they might not have or help develop the skills they have and make them more applicable to, you know, like a professional environment. So like I said, we have a lot of really talented home cooks there or people that have, you know, like small catering businesses, you know, like are hustling up money in one way or the other. So teaching them about, you know, how to cost food and, you know, how to keep food safe trying to give our, our best example of, you know, strong leadership in the building so that, you know, when they're ready to, or they decide they want to make that next step into actually doing something for themselves, or they do really well at, at the Overlook and they want to move on to another place, we can hopefully help match them up with the place that's going to be a good fit. And we can feel confident that, you know, they'll have the self-confidence to be treated the way that they deserve to be treated wherever they go. Would you say like Cafe Overlook is an alternative to a vocational school for some or maybe the next step in the beginning of a career that spot after vocational school, but it's almost like hands on training internship kind of deal before you go to the actual restaurant kind of thing? You ask this question in pretty much every interview. I've become a big fan of the podcast. It's the culinary school question. And people fall on different sides of that issue, you know, again and again. The thing about it is, is uh, when you move into the culinary industry, I don't know, with or without culinary school, there's no like gentle entry. There's no like, hey, buddy, you're doing OK today. Don't worry about it. Just throw that food away. It'll be fine. Like, <laughs> just try harder next time. It's just not how it's set up. Uh, the margins at restaurants are just out of whack. They're wrong. The stress level for leadership and owners is high uh, to succeed and, you know, manage things in a, in a really tight fashion. And people don't have the bandwidth, the time, the patience, the ability to provide a gentle entry to the industry. And, you know, we kind of did with the support of the county. We've been able to overstaff the restaurant uh, to give people uh, the opportunity and the time to, to pick up what they can pick up. You know, we have the opportunity to do that here uh, with a lot of support from the county government. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to figure out where you guys would fall in the process of, you know, an aspiring chef, somebody would like some place like Cafe Overlook be an alternative to culinary school? Or is it like that next step in the line of like, I went to culinary school, now I need real world experience, I should go work there. Because I'm going to get a better curriculum, a better overview of how to run a restaurant outside of just being on the line, grilling meat or whatever. It could probably fit in for someone that had an interest in culinary school. You know, most culinary school, you have to have some time actually working in a restaurant. So it could fit in before culinary school. Um, it could also fit in after culinary school for you to get some practical application of what you learned in a place where someone's not going to just, you know, yell at you and call you an asshole all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like it could fit in either place. It also could fit in in a place you know, where you don't have any interest in culinary school. There are things to learn there. You know, it's a cafe, but it's a it's a it's a generally scratch kitchen. Like we're making hash browns down there. We, you know, we make sauces for our things. We cut everything for the salad bar. We're making pastries there. Like we're doing good work there. And there's a lot to learn if you're interested in learning it. The CIA does it. I think all the culinary schools too, like they do the externship, you know, where if you like the CIA, I think you can go and then usually they're like, six months you're supposed to spend like in a restaurant. Is there a scenario where you guys can partner with Columbus State or somebody else eventually and maybe be an externship home for some people that, you know, have to complete that part of the program? 
I'd be fully on board with um, being approved as an externship opportunity. I will say, you know, that people that have access to culinary school money is not our target demographic for the program. The people that we've brought on is, you know, we've, we've brought in just, you know, cooks and to be guiding hands for people. And so, you know, they have experience as cooks. Uh, this is an opportunity for them to develop their kind of like next level skills of interfacing with people in a, in a training situation, um, kind of developing their own voice as far as to how to manage people and deal with people and guide people in the right direction. And, and, and you know, like I said, hopefully we're providing a good example on how to deal with and manage people. Uh, there's a lot of growth opportunity there for people across the spectrum. You know, it's a big enough program. Uh, and I think the need is urgent enough that I'm glad that it exists. I think you guys are also kind of in a way, uh, an incubator almost uh, where people used to do pop-up kitchens and, and they'd all be kind of in the same space where you're almost like, these are people who could have a future in restaurants if they want it and, and that's something they want to pursue, but you can kind of incubate them all in, in that place and teach them, you know, this is what I learned throughout my career and, and hopefully that helps them along the way. Yeah. People can, you know, people can decide that it's not for them. It's like a, it's like a protracted stage for the industry. Come do this thing. You should respect your job. You should appreciate your work. And maybe you get there and you find out that the work's not something that you feel like you can appreciate. It's not something that you want to do. But you know, what I, like my, one of my personal missions is to just show everyone that, you know, working, uh, in the hospitality industry is worthy of respect. It is a job uh, that can be a career uh, that you don't, it doesn't have to be like your sideline. It doesn't have to be like the thing you don't talk about. You don't have to be embarrassed when you say, I work at Veritas, I work at Cafe Overlook. Um, you can do those things. You know, in a lot of other places, we might've talked about this in the last uh, in the last time we chatted, but you know, if you work in Chicago and you tell someone that you work at Alinea, if you tell anyone in Chicago that you work at Alinea, they're like, fuck, man, that's rad. Like, that's awesome. Like, is it crazy? Like, how, what service like? Because, you know, in some other markets, people put a little higher value on the work that's done in hospitality. And I, I think we're heading in the right direction here for sure. The event this last week was probably like a bellwether that people have some respect for that kind of work. Do you feel any added pressure with this concept in the sense that if this is successful and has a longevity, that it could eventually be kind of the blueprint for additional concepts throughout the city? Because there's a lot of restaurants that are in, when you go to other cities, they're in museums, they're in office buildings. And part of that's because there's guaranteed foot traffic there and it just makes business sense. But with the twist on, on being kind of this place where people, like you said, can stage. Do you feel any added pressure with it being a success? Like you're kind of paving the way. When we open though, like immediately people started emailing us like, Hey, when can we get some of these graduates? When can we get some of these people that have gone through your program? You know, wh what part of this program do you think will be the first ready employees to, to come out to the workforce and work? You know, people are excited for it, especially with, you know, the shortages that we're experiencing now. Uh, you know, I, I hope that people understand that people that we put out of the program or that decide to leave the program because they feel like they're ready to learn something else. They're probably not going to show up ready to be abused <laughs> and talked down to, you know, like we really try to focus on people being able to be people, but also, you know, instill an idea of the responsibility that comes along with, you know, taking a job. Yeah. I think we're having a meeting with someone tomorrow about the possibility of, of like kind of a spinoff. I look at the superior motors rollout uh, in Braddock, 
Pennsylvania has been kind of my North Star as far as this program is concerned. Kevin Souza opened a place in Pittsburgh. He had a, I think, to that date, the most successful Kickstarter rollout of a restaurant that had ever happened. I think he raised like $300,000 on Kickstarter for this place called uh, Superior Motors. And he was buying an old car dealership and it was meant to revitalize, you know, a, like a dying industrial town uh, in, in Pennsylvania. And I mean, he raised the money and he opened the place and a big part of the mission was to provide jobs to people from that area and training, you know, that was appropriate. So, you know, I'd love to see, you know, a mid-tier to fine dining concept spring out of this, you know, where you come to work at the Overlook and you learn how to pull an espresso and make a cortado, learn how to make what I think is a pretty good burger, fried chicken, you learn how to keep food safe, you learn how to stock how to put things away in the walk-in. You learn how to do the, you know, the basic things, but you know, there's still some room to grow before you're ready to be somewhere, you know, phenomenal or open your own place. You know, like maybe we have the next place to go. Like, okay, like this went well. We have this, you know, like mid-level or maybe even fine dining restaurant that's, you know, a couple blocks away. Why don't you come down there and, you know, you can continue to like climb the ladder. The menu, it's similar to Preston's, but not identical. How did you guys kind of navigate keeping the two different? Because I mean, it, it is a cafe, so you want to have things that are approachable that everybody understands quick. And it's, I don't have to think about it for longer than five seconds on what I want to order. You know, you also run Preston's, which is burgers and honeys is fried chicken. So like they're both on the menu. So how did you kind of approach that to make sure like they're not exactly the same? Yeah, like in all the conversations, really, we you know we kind of said that, you know, the mini of the Overlook was going to be powered by Preston's. It's something that works, something that we know, the the techniques and some of the ingredients like we're familiar with. So the learning curve there um, can be shorter because I'm not trying to figure out something, you know, or make major changes to operations while also trying to, you know, get entry level people like up to speed on what we're doing. But, you know, we added a lot of other stuff, you know, like we got you know, a grain bowl that's really good and well thought out. We're doing a tofu shawarma that's like, you know, I like just a really, really good bite of food. Uh, we have uh, an heirloom grit bowl in the morning. That's kind of like a build your own thing. That's me just trying to trick people in, into eating like kanji and, and grain porridge. Uh, it's working okay. Don't tell anybody. So beyond that, you know, it's just about trying to keep things accessible. There's a little nudge here and there. Okay, like, hey, let's like, you know, like the grit thing. People like grits, you know, it was like people were excited about grits, but what they're getting is not what they're used to getting uh, when they think about grits, but they're enjoying it. You know, it's been some like, hey, try this grain bowl. You're trying to be healthy. We got this vegan option. It's got some tofu in it. Tofu was like the scariest thing in the world in the very beginning to a ton of people. But now, you know, that tofu shawarma and then also the tofu in the grain bowl, it moves along pretty well. It hasn't been taxing to try to like maintain a separation mostly i think because we're not really super interested in the separation you know like lisa and i are both involved and we decided in the very beginning that we were gonna that we were going to allow the cafe to be powered by preston's because preston's preston's is great it's doing all right you know people go and really enjoy it we're not really competing with it uh, at the market so you know the overlap's not really an issue you guys also do breakfast there, but a lot of people that have been on the podcast, one of the most valuable things that they talk about is that short order cook experience, knowing how to move fast, work fast, but still be accurate, get things out on time, multitask. Do you think that that aspect of the program is probably going to be either the most or like top three most valuable things somebody will take away? I think... To be a good short order cook, you have to be able to 
maintain like kind of an organized flow. A good short order cook kind of lives in that flow state. They're not so much thinking about what they're doing. Working the grill short order, which is like basically all grill work, is an exercise in trying to get into that flow state. You don't have time to think about like where stuff goes or how things are supposed to be. You have to get familiar enough with what you're doing for that to come natural and be muscle memory and then just kind of maintain your organization. And so, you know, that's part of learning how to cook that style of food. And that skill set is applicable as a cook all the way to the French laundry. Like there's there's nowhere that that's not useful at. Do you guys get anybody that just comes up there just for the view from the 16th floor since you guys are like the only observation deck we have, I think, like in Columbus? I think the Rhodes Tower used to do it, but I think they shut that down after that guy got stuck in the elevator like six months back. I wouldn't surprise me. The view is unparalleled. Um, I remember being in there at like five o'clock in the morning one morning and like getting an order and starting to put the order away and being like, oh man, I fucking hate this so early in the morning. And like I turned around and like saw the view out the window by me and the sun was coming up and it just stopped me in my tracks. Uh, The view up there is like completely unparalleled. Like you can't beat it. I know for a fact that people decide to have meetings up there. People come in from outside to have meetings there to have kind of like access to that view. I'm going to be honest. I try to avoid just in general. <laughs> um, like I have tons of patience for, you know, people that work for me or people that I'm trying to direct. I'm not the most patient person as far as like dealing with people and get like guest services. I leave those things to the people that are better at it than me. I think part of the tagline I saw when it first opened Cafe Overlook, it was uh, good food at reasonable prices. Has inflation affected that mission at all? Pricing has been a challenge. The operators that were there before us, you know, everything was just cheap, cheap, cheap. Uh, And it was cheap, cheap, cheap because everything came in frozen, pre-chopped, pre-prepared. When we moved into the space, like we opened the freezer door and things like fell out of it, (laughs) just crammed food into the freezer so that, you know, when they needed something, they just ran in and like grabbed it and let it thaw out for the next day. And there was no real attention to making sure that anything was very well prepared. And so now that we're making a lot more food and trying to be a little bit more responsible about our sourcing and our packaging, uh, and we're preparing so much more of the menu ourselves, you know, it just costs more money. So it's been a a really steep learning curve uh, for a lot of people for us to communicate about that because that's just where we come from. Institutional food service isn't something that any of us have any experience with. And then for, you know, a contingent of people that come into the cafe uh, that, you know, we're used to food just being like cheap, cheap, cheap. You recently got to participate in the Indie Chefs event here in Columbus. How was that experience? It was really fun. I announced that I was doing it. People were like, congratulations, congratulations. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to go work somewhere for a week for no money. And I was like a little, I was a little like, ah, why did I say yes to this? I was like, kind of bitter about it. Uh, but it really reinforced the event itself, reinforced the reason that I said yes to it. I feel like we don't seize opportunities for collaboration here in the city very much. I think that the industry is kind of like, everyone's kind of chosen their click as opposed to like working collaboratively to build this industry up here in the city. Um, There's a lot that we have to learn from each other 
in this event, I was really, really happy to be able to to seize the opportunity to see how people in other places are operating. I mean, and it was a wide range of operations. You know, there's I met Miles from, you know, he's out in L.A. and he brought a bunch of misos and garums and, you know, like smoked soy sauce. And he was over there making this really like beautiful broth out of, you know, all these ingredients and, and he was like, well, normally what I do is I use this many grams of this and that many grams of that. And I was like, I just do that and <laughs> just splash some of it in there. And then we see how it turns out. I know uh, Andrew Smith and Sarah Welch were working together on a dish and they were working together on it like all day. And you just you saw it come together from like it was like a bowl and it had all these beautiful like you know vegetables that had been arranged and sliced perfectly and then put together and then seasoned and then there was a broth that like you know came out of i would say nowhere but i watched them you know like do some metric ton of stuff (laughs) you know like mixing everything together to be able to watch the progression of that food go from you know nothing to i mean everything i mean a really really good plate of food uh, and to be able to see that, you know, several times through the week was like really cool. How's the construction process in Groveport going? Pretty much for us at a dead stop. I don't think we're going to do that project. The price of our end of it, the price of the construction was basically our entire budget. Like construction materials are still just way, way out there uh, as far as accessibility. So the city was was doing a ton for us there. Uh, They're very motivated and like really, really great folks. But with what everything costs right now, the like the over the total cost of that project, which is it became inaccessible. We love that area and we'd love to take a look at it again probably in the future. But you know, right now, like any major construction projects just seem like not something I want to be involved in. You know, we're still waiting on coolers that we ordered in uh, or we're waiting on coolers that are back ordered now six months, and that's just a nightmare for a budget. Was that a new build or was that like a rehab of an old build? No, yeah, from from the ground up. I think they're building that from the ground up. Uh, it was just an empty lot. Uh, and yeah, just to, to get there was just costing more and more money. While that is sad that you guys won't have another location, I mean, you still have the location in, in the North Market and now you got Cafe Overlook. So I haven't had the chance to get over to Cafe Overlook yet just because you guys are open during the week, but I will get down there at some point. Um, to get up there to the 16th floor. You guys are open Monday through Friday, 7 to 3, right? Uh, Monday to Friday, 8 to 3. We're looking at 7 early in the project, and we'd like to get back to 7. Um, you know, one of the issues with a lot of the folks that work at the cafe is that transportation can be a problem, uh, and our public transportation system's not great. I don't mean to... I don't mean to insult the people that work really hard on, you know, making it the best that it can be. Um, but as far as, you know, the ability to get to and from work early, uh, and late and sometimes on time, uh, it can be a challenge. Uh, so I've seen all these like wonderful plans, like kind of come and go about how to like make that better. I hope we just like grab one and do it because, because it's like that kind of in- infrastructure is part of like a successful city. Yeah. I'm gonna bite my tongue on that. I got some opinions, but, uh, I'm gonna save those. <laughs> there are opinions we had. I did hear something about a connector from somewhere to somewhere that I think's Got a green light out from like out to West Broad. I hope it actually happens. You know, my thoughts on the situation are, you know, Columbus is, depending on what metrics that you look at, it's anywhere from, I think, 12th to 15th largest city in terms of population. In the U.S., it's the biggest one that doesn't have any sort of public transportation outside of a bus line, which a majority of the bus line is confusing for people to use. They don't know 
what I have to transition over to or anything. And I think that's a big hindrance, even with some of the stuff that they, you know, they streamline some of the routes, um, you know, you can get to the airport in like five stops or, or whatever, but they've had the, you know, streetcar or whatever that's been up a couple times and always gets shot down. I think Amtrak, you know, everybody has big hopes for that, but um, that's years away. A lot of those rail lines have to be redone anyways, um, because they've sat unused for so long. And I see it as, I don't know anybody works for Coda. To me, it seems like somehow all the eggs are in the Coda basket, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't know, maybe like the Morpsey basket, I think, possibly. Um, because I, I feel like someone from Morpsey is going to listen to this. You know, they do a lot of the planning and stuff like that, and they, they make the, the suggestion. The, the one that I saw that I liked a lot was they wanted to dedicate a bus lanes through a lot more of the city and then raising the curb at all the bus stops so the buses don't have to kneel. And that, that would practically make it a light rail system. And I was like, that sounds rad. And they were like, that does sound rad. Let's not do it. That's a good idea. But I think it, it doesn't address the issue that a lot of people still don't take the bus. Like people that live downtown, like they don't, you know, we lived downtown for a couple of years, never took the bus. We walked, you could take a scooter, you know, you could Uber, whatever. People don't take the bus. They just don't. Here in Columbus, and it's, I mean, it started, I was aware of it almost 30 years ago. You had to get somewhere. You're like a kid, got to get on the bus. And then when I was in city year, you had to take the bus during city year hours. So I would just be on the bus. And then people would be like, you'd like talk to a girl when you got off the bus. And she'd be like, you just got off the bus. You broke. There's a stigma with the bus and riding the bus. There is a stigma to it. And I'm sure some other places, but there's a stigma with riding the bus here. And I feel like it's silly. Like, I know a lot of people that make a decent amount of money that avail themselves of the bus from uh, like Italian Village or uh, from uh, over by Seven Sun from like, you know, those neighborhoods and then neighborhoods south of downtown. If it's just a couple of stops because they don't have to pay to park and that close in the bus is pretty reliable something doesn't go right they're not too far to walk anyway um there, i know plenty of people that are not broke that ride the bus so i mean that's probably just like a, a messaging campaign for a decade i don't have the answers but i can tell you for sure that just a lot of people don't take the bus even though it's available to them and it, it's it's frustrating because you see like cincinnati has a streetcar and it's had its problems and i think at one point it was technically bankrupt or whatever and they had to do some funding and stuff but now you look at the ridership numbers and they're up like a couple hundred percent. And we're, our downtown is pretty much a grid, way more than Cincinnati's is. It's a lot easier. And then, you know, they get in a, oh, we don't, you know, the cost of it. It's like, well, the cost is only going to keep going up. So you can either invest now or wait 10 years and go, well, it's too expensive still. It's like, it's, it's never going to get cheaper. Well, it's never going to get cheaper, but it's going to become more and more like kind of necessary to operate as a first tier city. Public transportation is one of those legs that those cities stand on. So, yeah, I guess I worry that like Columbus is eventually going to be similar to Atlanta in the fact that you have certain parts of the day where you can get across the city and you're going to have a bunch of people saying, I don't go past the 70 divider line. I don't go past 71 from the west side over to the east side. I feel like that we don't have to wait for that. I feel like that's literally right now. Like if you get if you get too far out, too late, you're not going to get home, so you don't go. You know, for the people that need like that's a that's not that's been another issue. You know, having to build work schedules around bus routes like that's an issue. I can't work. I can't close. I can't open because I can't get to work. I got to be out of here 
because the last bus is at, you know, 1045. That's already an issue depending on like where you're at in your like income security. Like I said, I don't have the answer, but I can definitely tell you that the problem's worse than everybody tries to make it seem. But Cafe Overlook is open Monday through Friday <laughs> from 8 to 3 uh, if you're in the area. You can do pickup orders, right, through Toast Lab? Yeah, so you can go through you know our website and get a link to place your order. You can place your order. We'll give you an estimated time of, a, of completion, and you can just come get it. Uh, we were trying to make it accessible for, for even people that are outside of the, the county building. By the time you walk to Chipotle, uh, if you work at Mound and High or if you work you know, at Maine and High, by the time you can get to Chipotle, you could get to the county building, get through security and get upstairs. You're going to pay less money for your food. You're going to be helping a good cause. The food's delicious. So, you know, to me, I think it's a better option. And you guys have a video you guys posted on Instagram too, of how to find the building and also get to the proper floor. So if you're at all confused, check that out too as well. That'll, that'll help you out. Big ups to our social media people. Uh, that's great. I didn't know about that. Oh, you didn't see that? Yeah, it's like a it's a reel on there, and and they had uh, basically just a camera following somebody to like this is where you go and go through this door and and everything like that. So that's dope. I have to like repost that. I'm bad about that stuff here lately. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm falling off. Sometimes you just need a break. But no, I appreciate you coming back on. It's excited to see you know another concept for you guys and and all the good that it's doing um so i wish you guys nothing but success and looking forward to getting down there and, and trying it out for lunch one day cool i'd be happy to see you again a big thanks to matt for coming back on the podcast taking some time to provide some context and some background information on cafe overlook so again if you haven't been uh, they're open monday through friday they're in franklin county courthouse building on the 16th floor take an elevator to get up there they're open pretty much from 8 to 3. Um, hopefully, eventually soon be open from 7 to 3 again, just uh, circumventing some challenges with the bus schedule and and people getting there that early downtown and commuting and all that stuff and staffing and everything. So that's pretty much every restaurant seems to be encountering that. But make sure to follow them on Instagram at Cafe Overlook. You can follow Matt, too, on Instagram at Kitchen underscore Matt, at Preston's Burgers and at Honey's fried chicken too as well on instagram and then his uh service relief uh, kitchen foundation at service underscore relief underscore kitchen keep up to date with any uh, new events or pop-ups or anything that they're doing too as well fundraising whatnot so make sure to follow us on instagram and subscribe to the podcast as well that is it for this little update episode there'll be a new one next week too as well and uh, new episodes continue to drop on Thursdays. So again, make sure you subscribe. That way you're getting both. It's all on the same feed. Just uh, Monday, Tuesdays kind of for these updates, new episodes with new guests Thursdays as well. So appreciate everybody listening uh, and continue to listen and help spread the word. And we will talk to you guys later.